You are listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. Good theatre-going weather, I always think. Uh, you can get out of the cold and immerse yourselves in uh, in a story or a drama of some kind, such as Double Indemnity coming up at the Melbourne Theatre Company, previewing tonight, opening tomorrow night and running through until the 2nd of July. It's a new play based on the 1943 crime novel by journalist-turned-creative writer James M. Kane, and it's quite significant. Joining me in the studio to talk about the production, and we're going to weave a few other things in as well, the director of the show, Sam Strong. How you going, Sam? Good, thank you. Thanks for having me. My Lovely favorite. to be back in Melbourne and back on the show. Yeah, now, well, the last time we caught up, you were still working at the MTC, I think. I think I was, yes. And now yeah. you've moved up to Queensland Theatre Company as the artistic director there. Yes, yeah, I've kind of got two hats on at the moment. So I, um, I took over as artistic director at Queensland Theatre Company at the end of last year, uh, but I was keen to, uh, to take that job subject to uh, some of my directing commitments that were part of the MTC season of this year. Um, so that's Double Indemnity, which is uh, obviously previewing at the moment, and then Jasper Jones. So I'm, I'm back uh, in a couple of weeks to direct uh, another adaptation of a novel uh, by another writer I love, strangely. But um, uh, so that's that. Then I'm, then I'm back to Queensland uh, properly uh, in about September. Okay, so it must be a weird feeling being kind of like splitting your time between cities. It's it's a little bit strange. Just it's quite lovely to be back in Melbourne in winter. Although it's a bit too cold uh, now. It's a bit of shock. It's a, a shocking adjustment. Uh, but the good thing about technology these days, and my, my national artistic team at QTC is a good example of this, is people can kind of be anywhere, uh, and we'll tend to have Skypes uh, as a team, and, and there'll be three people in Sydney, three people in Melbourne, you know, three people in, in Brisbane, and someone in Vancouver. So it does make a lot of it easier, but um, doesn't necessarily create more hours in the day. Yeah. Now, let's talk about Double Indemnity, which um, Tom Holloway, one of my favourite Australian playwrights, has adapted from the James M. Kane novel. A lot of people will perhaps be more familiar with the film, a classic example of film noir with kind of snappy, slightly cheesy dialogue, yep, yep. Uh, beautiful kind of black and white cinematography. So Tom's gone back to the book itself. Is this a passion project for him? It is absolutely a passion project. And I think his original source was uh, the film, uh, as many people's uh, original encounter with that story is. Uh, and then he went back to the novel uh, after the film and, and then he's obviously done a theatrical adaptation. And what's been beautiful about uh, being part of that process and or watching that process and being part of it uh, is to see how the eventual production's able to kind of combine the best of all of those mediums. So you get the, you know, of course you can't make a noir or a noir-inspired work without trying to make something that's quite visually lavish and, and stylish in its, in its costumes, in its lighting, of course. Uh, so you get to to borrow that stylistic flair of the of the cinematic genre, uh, but the beautiful thing about the novel um, is the novel is kind of dirtier uh, and and grungier and even darker, dare I say it, than the than the film. Uh, and some of the kind of what we might read as a little bit cheesy dialogue uh, these days, the novel is a sort of classic hard boiled uh, piece of fiction. So it's it's an absolute thriller but it's in this wonderfully kind of direct and muscular speech and then what Tom's added on top of that and what we're able to do in the production is kind of bring it into the theatre so that that first person narrative that you get in any of those stories works of course beautifully well when you've got a couple hundred people in front of you uh, that you can talk directly to on any given night. How long have you been involved with the development of this production? Uh, quite a while actually although it, it um it it uh 
wasn't as long as you would expect potentially for a work of this scale because Tom's a very quick writer and and uh, the this, the story uh, was there. And it was a question of sort of emphasis uh, as well. But um, I think it's been been a couple of years now. So uh, I was keen to um, in my role as associate artistic director at MTC, I was keen to collaborate with Tom again. Uh, we kind of theatrically grew up together uh, at at kind of Red Stitch and and, and Griffin beyond that. Uh, so we were keen to find something to do on a kind of large stage uh, on the Playhouse stage. Uh, and we were talking about it for a while, and then the idea of Dublin Demity came up. Uh, so it's been th- it's been through a couple of years of development of refining uh, refining the text, making sure the text will work in a theatre. So it's nice to kind of get to the end of that. Uh, it's very satisfying, but most important end of that process with an audience as well, so that, which we're in right now. So part of that process of developing the work is then also establishing a style for it, uh, and talking to costume designers and set yeah. designers and so forth, and stamping your vision on the production. What is your vision for the play? Did you want to recreate a 1940s noir world, kind of, uh, or have you made it more theatrical in, in ways rather than going for a, a more realist film style set? <coughs> Excuse me. I think my, um, my main uh, vision on this one is to kind of balance style and substance uh, and to balance kind of detail and scale. Uh, it's a work that depends on really forensic level of details. It's about people manipulating other people, uh, you know, some very kind of psychologically uh, complex and detailed stuff. But sort of to, to, to answer the epic demands of the story, uh, and particularly the size of that theatre, there's, there's an opportunity to really to stage it with a degree of flair. So I kind of want to balance detail and scale uh, in the work, and I, I want to balance style and substance too. I think you're a... Um, you, it would be... Uh, Foolish, I think, to uh, attempt to ignore style. Such a beautiful uh, opportunity. And Esther, uh, Esther Marie Hayes' costuming uh, is a wonderful dive uh, into the genre and all the lavishness of that genre with a bit of a kind of slight... The, you know, the novel is from the 30s, so it's a bit more Depression-era than the film, uh, which is which is from the 40s. So Esther's able to get a little bit of that lavishness but we're also with a bit of with a bit of grunge and a bit of, a bit of reality as well. But then we're able to stage it in a way that kind of takes it almost more into an abstract or dreamscape space. Okay, which is appropriate if we're talking dreams uh, and the link to noir through German expressionism. Absolutely, and that's, a, as you know, that's that's the origin of, of, of all of those visual conventions of noir uh, and the experiences that all of those artists went through uh, during the, the First World War and how they, they, they that manifested itself um, in that really bold uh, visual style that gets inside the head of protagonists. Uh, and I think that's true of, the, of hard-boiled fiction uh, and it's certainly true of noir and it's true of this production as well. For people who aren't familiar with either the book or the film. Um, no spoilers. Uh, yeah. Uh, no spoilers, obviously, but it, it is, it's a show about, um, uh, it features a classic, uh, noir femme fatale. Yes. Yep. Um, uh, a relative, a good man who is ensnared in her web uh, and yeah. an insurance scam and murder. So it's a heady combination, but how do you stop that descending into melodrama or the audience even laughing at what should be taken serious? Yeah, I think um, it's, it's a very delicate uh, balance I think as well. And, and the key to that for me is getting inside the the psychological reality of the situation because as you mentioned it's it's essentially an exercise in what drives human beings to do bad things uh and what the capacity for darkness that we have within all of us uh and what circumstances can bring that out and i think what's What's lovely about this story is that you see that combination of circumstances. You see the kind of lust that drives it, uh, the love that drives it, uh, but also the kind of desperation and and the kind of need for money or even.
given that sense of, of fulfilling one's potential. You know, classic noir deals with uh, characters in an amoral universe, uh, and I think that's that's certainly the universe that we're that we're dealing in. And the other thing that you do with style too is you sort of cast actors who are interested in the substance and the detail of it. So with with an actor like Claire Vanderboom who's playing Phyllis, uh, Claire's sort of never been interested in playing a kind of uh, as she shouldn't be, um, playing a kind of uh, style femme fatale. It's actually about, well, what's the, what's the psychological reality of this woman uh, as well as her style? Now, in terms of the show itself, I want to come back to MTC's Double Indemnity in just a moment, which uh, it is on uh, previewing tonight and then running through to the 2nd of July at the Playhouse at Arts Centre Melbourne. You can book through mtc.com.au. But uh, let's talk about Queensland for a moment, yes. given that you are the artistic director yeah. of Queensland Theatre Company. Hello, Queensland. Um, Anyone streaming? If they are, hello. Uh, how strong is the Queensland theatre sector? Because I know a bit about... Uh, Brisbane specifically and then some of the smaller companies like Jute uh, yeah. further up the coast and, and elsewhere. But for people who don't know uh, Queensland and particularly Brisbane well, tell us a little bit about the vibrancy of the theatre yeah. sector. Then. I think I think that well, the short answer is it's, it's very vibrant and, and two things distinguish it for me. The first thing is uh, its warmth and its inclusivity. Uh, I've been very conscious that I'm an artist coming from elsewhere. Uh, most of my work's been in Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, so to come into Brisbane, I, I was... You know, very keen to make sure I was encountering as many artists as I possibly could, but I felt genuinely very warmly welcomed by the artistic community up there. So its warmth is one distinguishing feature, but I think even more than that, uh, its tendency to cooperate or collaborate. And that's across the sector, that's across uh, different sorts of art forms. I think what can really distinguish Queensland from the rest of the country uh, is its capacity to, to partner uh, and to cooperate. So, you know, for example, uh, Todd McDonald, who's now the artistic director of La Boite, uh, we're doing general, we do a general auditions together. Uh, so there's, there's not the sort of sense of intercity or intra-city competition that can exist in in Sydney or Melbourne, I think, sometimes. Do you think that's because Brisbane is a smaller city? So so it just means that there isn't, uh, whether it's the lack of population or the, the, the lack of the pressure that comes with carving out your own space in a yeah. more hectic environment or is it a more just naturally collaborative city i actually think it's a mindset i think it's a i think it's a cultural thing uh and i think there's there's a there's a generosity of spirit to brisbane's theatrical and artistic culture that sets it apart from the rest of the country uh and it's a really lovely thing to be to be welcomed into as an artistic director but more than that it's incredibly exciting in terms of what you can do uh, and the, the the chance to be up there immediately and having conversations with companies like but with Brisbane Festival with uh, companies from different art forms uh, those level of those levels of conversations between companies uh, in my experience in Sydney and Melbourne don't go on uh, to the same extent and I think there's a there's a chance too from Brisbane as a as a sort of third city um, to think more nationally than Sydney and Melbourne you know Sydney and Melbourne tend to think about themselves uh, a little bit or occasionally uh, 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 bitch about or worry about each other uh, but I think that's what is beautiful about Brisbane is and Queensland is that you can have and we can have a genuinely national perspective and that's one thing I was keen to do with putting together my artistic team for example which comes from all over the country. Why did you want to do that just to ensure that uh, you I mean because one of the things that QTC was known for even before your appointment under Wesley Enoch's direction. Uh, he had a reputation for being consultative and and engaged and uh, and bringing in a, a diverse range of of peoples and influences. So you've kind of taken that and expanded it in many ways nationally. Absolutely, and it, and it sort of 
stems from how I like to work as, as an artist and as a, as a programmer, which is that I like a lot of voices around me. Uh, I like a robustness of dialogue. I like a kind of robustness of argument about about what we should be doing. So I was keen to put together a team um, of people that would provoke and challenge. Uh, I was also keen to put together a team that had a strong uh, Indigenous representation uh, as well, given given Wesley's commitment to uh, Indigenous content that I'm really keen to and Indigenous stories that I want to uh, continue. Uh, so... And, but also to look at what the next generation of uh, Indigenous voices in this country. So you've got someone like Nakia Louie uh, out of Sydney who I think is at the kind of leading edge of how we talk about race uh, in this country and then you've got an artist like Wayne Blair uh, who, who people will know well from, from a film like The Sapphires uh, and then someone like Jimmy Barney uh, who we've seen on a Melbourne stage but Jimmy uh, lives in the Torres Strait Islanders, the Torres Strait Islander as well. So we can, we can really widely geographically spread uh, as well as send a message to the country that we want to do things differently. We don't just kind of a point a couple not there's anything wrong with this um but you know the standard practice and i've been part of this practice um is to to appoint a kind of couple of resident artists uh and to to bring them into a sort of full-time fold i wanted to think a bit differently about how we artistically lead companies we're talking to sam strong who's the artistic director of queensland theater company and is in melbourne for a while uh directing melbourne theater company's double indemnity um Sam, in terms of, just before we come back to double indemnity, in terms of uh, Queensland generally, one of the things that makes it, uh, and Brisbane particularly, a strong city is its uh, commitment to, to circus. Yeah. You were yeah. the, the chair of Circa, I believe. Yeah. You've now stepped down from that role. Uh, being a, a, a AD of a company, possibly it could have been a bit of conflict between chairing one company and ADing another. Um, but... When you launch your 2017 program, which I'm sure is only a couple of months it's away, only a couple of months away, happening um, in September, are we likely to see kind of cross fertilisation between art forms with companies like Circa or uh, working with some of the uh, the smaller organisations up there like Metro Arts or? I think we're likely to see a bit. Uh, some of those things might. I can't give too much away, of course. Uh, and some of those things take a while to uh, uh, to fall into place. Uh, but I think. As I mentioned, the, the Queensland is set, is unique in its capacity uh, to partner across art forms. Uh, I was quite devastated about stepping down from uh, Circa, but I, I, I think it's uh, it's very difficult to uh, to fundraise for two organisations, different organisations in the one uh, in the one city. Uh, but I, I think Circa is a is a wonderful company that is. Uh, led with an incredible energy and dynamism uh, by Iran. Uh and it's a great example of a company that's Brisbane-based but punching above its weight uh, in the national and international landscape. So I was, I was thrilled to, to be part of its its journey for a short period. Finally, to come back to Double Indemnity, this is a, a play um, about, amongst other things, about lust and murder. Um, it's from the 1930s, but it still feels in many ways so contemporary because these are such absolutely human traits. I think so. As I mentioned before, it's, it, it's the capacity of all of us to do stupid things uh, in the first instance. Uh, what, what drives us to do stupid things, which is often uh, lust or, or money, uh, but also what drives us to do dark things uh, and how fine that line is, I suppose, between something that's stupid and something that's genuinely criminal uh, or dark. And it, it stems for me from what... Cain did, which is the, who was the writer of the original novel, of course, which is that he made, and what he did in Dumbledore Demney, and, and as opposed to those other kind of hard-boiled detective fiction novels, is he made the criminal the protagonist. Uh, so you get inside 
the criminal's mind and you get inside the criminal's head uh, rather than getting inside, say, the detective's head. Uh, and so I think it gives you a unique insight into human behaviour. And we always bang on about how um, anything that gives you an insight into human behaviour is, uh, is timeless, but it's genuinely true of this. Uh, and it's genuinely true of this adaptation particularly, that it gets you inside the headspace of, of, of human weakness and darkness. Melbourne Theatre Company's production of Double Indemnity, uh, adapted by Tom Holloway from the book by James M. Kane, previewing tonight, opening tomorrow night, and then running through until the 2nd of July. You can book at mtc.com.au. It's on at the Playhouse at Art Centre Melbourne, so you can also go to artcentremelbourne.com.au if you'd like to book. It's directed by Sam Strong. Sam, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. Uh, my next guest has just joined us in the studio. Tony Smith is creative producer of the Gasworks Circus Showdown. What is a circus showdown? Good morning, Richard. What is a circus showdown? A really good question. Gasworks Circus Showdown, we've been running that event uh, for about five years now. It's essentially a competition, uh, but it's a, it's a circus competition of an interesting kind. It's really pitched, aimed at emerging circus artists and new circus work and the contemporary circus. So Circus Showdown, as I say, has been running for five years. We had our first heat. We have two heats uh, on the Wednesday and Thursday night, so tonight's our second uh, heat. And then on Saturday night, so what happens is essentially it's a competition that gets judged. The two top acts from each night go through to Circus uh, showdown spectacular on Saturday night and then the top two acts from that get a host of wonderful prizes. Excellent. Including I believe um, $4,000 cash. That sounds nice doesn't it? It does. I tell you. Uh, yeah so so first prize is $4,000 cash and uh, uh, free admission to Adelaide Fringe Festival. Nice. Uh, yeah which is great support. Adelaide Fringe have always been great supporters uh, and also uh, a, a lovely marketing kit provided by the uh, Gasworks marketing team because a lot of the circus artists... Uh, I actually, I'll finish off and say that second prize is a $2,000 cash prize. And all the cash prizes are provided by the Gasworks uh, Arts Park Foundation, the Patrons Foundation, which we're really appreciative of. But what this is really about is supporting local circus or circus in, in Australia. Everyone's uh, welcome to participate. And what we try to do is make sure that all of the artists get development help, get assistance along the way. So these prizes are really about taking these artists and pushing them on then to the to the next level. So that marketing assistance, in past years we've provided things like uh, rehearsal space at Gasworks, uh, a, a free lighting design assistance, all those sort of things that help these artists and their work develop further and keep moving forward. To help them strengthen their show because obviously they're already going to have pretty good circus skills. Mm, um, mm. The challenge is then often how do you kind of migrate from... Uh, focusing on your circus act mm. to then building a show around mm. it. Quite right. And a lot of artists now, the circus artists particularly, uh, unlike, say, theatre where you go, well, I'm an actor and I'm a director and I'm a writer, circus artists for some reason have to do everything. They create their shows, they, they, they decide what they're going to do, they have to have the skills, then they have to sort of form them into a show and then get out and market them and do all those things. So we're trying to help... Uh, help move them forward in, in that direction. What we found also is that we have a lot of artists, as you say, that need to make that, that, that leap from having an act, if you like, a five-minute or a ten-minute piece that they do that that's the, their thing, then how do they develop that out into a show that's, you know, a 50-minute or one-hour show that audiences can really get into that has an a narrative, as you say, has a narrative and takes the audience on a journey. And that's partly what we're trying to do at Circus Showdown as well, is help those artists 
find that next stage. Now, given that there are, what, four artists in last night's show, That's uh, right. another four tonight, yep. where are they from? Are they all Melbournians or are they from around the country? There's, well, it's open to anyone from around the country. A lot of them do come from Melbourne. That's that's understandable. We have uh, wonderful artists, an artist uh, joining us tonight, Carl Lasko, who's from Perth, has come all the way over. And he's got... A, I've got to talk about Carl's act because he has developed... One of the fun things about uh, Showdown is that artists also treat it as a place to try something new um, and to really put it out there because there's a lot of support for it. They get great mentors and judges who are not only judging them on stage and doing the whole thing of this is what I thought of your act and here's your score, but there's also really it's a two-week event where the judges and the mentors can talk to these artists, meet them, help them, give them assistance backstage and chat about where they could do better and what might come of it and help connect them up but look carl has come across and carl's got this great thing he's got he's developed a technology and he's got they're not just glow in the dark juggling clubs they're actually responsive so he's got technology within the clubs that respond to what he's doing uh how he's juggling it and if i'm i was talking to our our tech crew who had a little bit of a conniption because carl can connect it up to their lighting desk and the sound gear and have it all connected up and interactive we, we're not quite going that far this time but uh it's really so that's really exciting to me i want to see what this is all about and 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 we want to encourage that so to have that sort of cutting edge stuff is really uh, exciting for us so who are the other three artists who are performing tonight okay the other three tonight so we have uh, carl as we mentioned we have uh a group, uh, the, the rest of them are Melbourne groups, so I'm going to do the best I can with them. Jonathan Morgan and his team, One Fell Soup, it's Swoop, I always say One Fell Soup. Jonathan uh, was a part of Circus Showdown last year, so we're really excited that he's kept uh, kept working, kept developing, and, and he's coming back. We have Madhouse Circus tonight. Madhouse have been around for a number of years, um, and, and they're uh, back with us tonight. Um, and we have Carl, and as I'm searching... Uh, through we have Madhouse and we have Carl and uh, and one fell swoop and one fell soup and a third mystery act and a <laughs> sorry a fourth mystery I act I, can't, I can't count I can't add up anyway there will be four lovely acts tonight two of which will go through uh, to the final on Saturday night and we had last night we had our first heat we had four fantastic acts one of the this is a, a, a weird thing with with this uh, with this event that um it's an arts event, it's a collaborative event, but it is also a competition and it's kind of a little bit devastating to say you two go through and you two don't. But um, uh, two who, who went through from last night, we had the, the fumbling bumblers who are uh, Tom Davis and, and Sam Floyd who have been around for a, for a, for a while also. It was a wonderful clowning act. And then a, a, a new work called The Element of Consequence last night. That was a, a really interesting piece for wonderful circus women uh, doing really exciting and, and interesting. The, one of the things that you see at it, this contemporary circus, the combination of this bit of contemporary dance in it, you get all that feel, plus the circus tricks uh, and all that stuff. So that was a really interesting work. So so those two are going through. We'll then two acts from tonight going through as well. So mm-hmm. tonight uh, is the Gasworks Circus Show. Showdown Part 2, and then Saturday is the Gasworks Circus Showdown Spectacular this Saturday night with uh, the, the four finalists going through. I wanted to ask, Tony, about the element of competition, mm. um, because how do you, given that, that 
appreciation of any art form, be mm. it circus, dance, whatever, is also subjective. Mm. How can the judges for this objectively judge circus skills? What are they looking for? It's a huge challenge, and it's a huge challenge for us as a, as, as a group of artists as well. And before I go on, I've realised the fourth uh, the fourth person, Hannah Kryle. I can't believe I forgot Hannah. Um, Hannah has been a, a great supporter of Circus Showdown as well, so Hannah's doing her first solo work oh, uh, for a long time uh, tonight. So that's great. So the, the judging is, is, a, is a really challenging thing, um, and the judges also treat themselves as mentors, so, so just to say that. So they're very connected to these artists. They all know each other. You know, it's a small arts community that we have, so, so they're not too... Um, too tricky about all that. They do have to assess it objectively and comparatively. We're looking at uh, what, how this show, how this work, the, the skills. You're just looking at straight skills for a start, circus skills, how well those skills were executed, but also how well the show connected with the audience, what the performance quality was like, um, and what the narrative arc of that show was. Now, we're only seeing 15 minutes uh, at Circus Showdown, but most of these shows are either on their way to developing a full-length show or a, or a sort of part of a full length show. So that narrative arc. Look, it is a challenge. We have really uh, good quality judges. Uh, tonight, those judges are Kate Fryer, uh, who's the artistic director at Dislocate Theatre. Uh, Matt Wilson, who's, uh, who's been around for many years and is a part of Circus, Circus Oz Ensemble. Ensemble, yeah. quite right. And Andrea Owsley, who's uh, been around for many years as well, although she won't like me saying that. Uh, and uh, is, uh, is at NICA and is, is sort of a social circus specialist. And last night, Matt wasn't able to, to be there, so we had Mike Finn come in as, as one of the judges who's been Circus Oz's artistic director for 17 years. So really high quality um, artists who are assessing these, these people and giving them positive feedback and moving them forward. It's an interesting thing having a competition and we were musing about this last night that how many arts... Um, how, how often the arts do focus on competition, where you have your Archibald Prize and classical music has competitions, and and it, it is bizarre that the, we have these things. There are some art forms where it kind of makes sense to have mm. that competitive mm. element because mm. visual art prizes are often acquisitive, for yes, example. So true. it means that you get a, a prize and recognition, but also a, then a gallery will take one of your work, your winning work, into their collection. Classical music is because it's such a structured, formulaic mm. kind of style, uh, not formula formulaic's not the right word but kind of it's a like ballet there are kind of uh if you hold the do the pose wrong you're doing ballet wrong mm. classical music mm. kind of i guess has a, a similar kind of framework and and history behind it but something like circus or contemporary dance it seems that the value of competition is sometimes more in generating media uh coverage <laughs> because the mainstream media know what a competition is that that's gives right. them a hook to write about that's right but is competition healthy amongst circus artists i'd oh uh, it's that's a. I, I'm not sure if I'd phrase it that way, uh, Richard, because I think you're right that out and out competition can be can be a difficult things, which is why we work hard to keep this as a collaborative event. I'm not sure about the competition amongst the circus artists, but what I do think happens is that uh, in terms of audience development, what it does do, and as a as a producer of work, you want an audience who are watching work and going away and thinking about it. 
and assessing it and and articulating that. So one of the things I really like about this event that's almost been a, a little aside is that it makes your audience assess what they're watching and makes them think about it and makes them talk about it. So you get out there and you go, well, did you agree with what the judges said? What do you think and why? Rather than just go, I liked it, I hated it. They actually articulate what they're feeling and what they experience. And I think that can be a really nice positive out of these sort of events. The event we're talking about is the Gasworks Circus Showdown, part two of which is on tonight uh, at Gasworks Arts Park in Albert Park at 7.30pm. And then this Saturday night uh, is the Gasworks Circus Showdown Spectacular, featuring two finalists from tonight, two finalists from last night, uh, competing for a $4,000 prize plus development opportunities and, and so forth. Uh, it's all happening at Gasworks Arts Park in Albert Park. Um, more info at gasworks.org.au forward slash circus. Sounds like it's going to be a fun night. Oh, I'm really looking forward to it. Tony Smith, thanks for joining us. Thanks a lot, Richard. And my next guest has joined me in the studio from Arts Project Australia. We have uh, Sim Luton in the studio to chat to us about a collaborative exhibition Arts Project Australia are doing with Linden New Art over in St Kilda. Sim, how are you going? Very well, thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, my very great pleasure. So people may know Linden New Art as a contemporary art space in St Kilda. They may know Arts Project Australia uh, as an exhibition, as a, an organisation that works with and promotes artists with an intellectual disability. How did the partnership between these two organisations come about for this exhibition? Yeah, well, um, we've been good friends with Linden New Art for quite some time now and in conversation over the years about projects to work on to bring across the river to St Kilda. And an opportunity came up late last year where Melinda Martin, the director um, at Linda New Art, approached us to put on a show to coincide with a solo show by Leith Maguire. Great. So how many artists are in the exhibition, which is called Wild Land? Uh, there's six emerging and mid-career artists from Arts Project. And tell us uh, about them and their work. Okay, so um, well, when we were approached to do this show, um, sort of the premise of what we had to put together was a show about animals. And there's a number of artists that work in the Arts Project studio where that's a pretty common thread through their work. So Mel, Melissa Petty, my co-curator and I were quite interested in looking at artists who sort of really focus on delving into the animal realm um, through the work they explore. So these six artists um, quite commonly um, look to animals from on online, animals they see and research and um, sort of create really interesting bodies of work in the studio. Now, one of the images I've seen for the show is of a, what looks like a dead parrot, which immediately makes <laughs> me think of Monty Python. But, uh... It does feel a bit that way. Um, that piece is by Chris Mason. He's a um, multidisciplinary artist. Um, he works across a range of, of mediums and has a, a wide variety of interests. But I think that that particular piece has quite a bit of humour in it even though it is um, a, a pretty much a dead parrot lying on its back. <laughs> but it's, it's quite a fabulous piece and one that's certainly been a bit of an audience pleaser um, across at the Linden Gallery. And why animals? I mean, it's an interesting theme. We kind of often, particularly in this mediated inner urban environment, um, 
the only animals we see are either on television, kind of on a screen, or m- you might see a fox running down the street or something. But other- otherwise, animals are off- that we see are often domesticated and tamed. Yeah, it's really sort of interesting you said that because we were thinking about in the approach to this show whether or not to focus on our uh, friendly, you know, companions and look to the domestic. But that is quite often sort of the only interactions that we really have unless we sort of go to a zoo. So we were interested, I guess, more in the darker side, the wilder side of animals in this exploration and steered the um, collection of work more in the direction of, of animals you might find in the wild or the exotic. And has the work been made specifically for the exhibition? or uh, Most of the collections of work were from the folio in our very extensive stock room in Northcote. Um, however, a couple of artists... Um, Particularly Michael Kamakaris created two new works specifically for this show, which his, to everyone's um, um, enjoyment, have sold um, from the show of spectacular elephant and, um, and giraffe piece that he sort of visited the Melbourne Zoo and did some research online and created specifically for Linda Newart. Great. Now, in terms of working with these artists, as we said, um, uh, Arts Project Australia works specifically with artists with an intellectual disability. Um, to what degree uh, does should we just ignore the disability when talking about these artists? Because we're talking about their their visual and artistic expression. Yeah, absolutely. I think, you know, our philosophy, Arts Project's philosophy from the very beginning has been about supporting people to create art. And there's the disability aspect there. But for us, it's very much about supporting artists along a vocational path to develop their artistic career. Not all artists in the studio are doing that, but certainly um, a good selection are. And our focus is very much on supporting them as artists and, and I guess, facilitating that... Um, that broader acceptance into the contemporary art sector. So it's we tend not to focus on the disability aspect, but really are just about um, sort of taking really fabulous art that's you know accessible to the public and um, and showcasing that alongside other contemporary artists, which is what we've sort of had the opportunity to do at Linda New Art. Yeah. Now the exhibition uh, has been running since the sixth of May, so audiences and, and visitors have had plenty of time to go in to look at the work. And as you said, some of it's selling which is fantastic for the artists concerned. What's the overall response been to the exhibition? It's been really wonderful. I think uh, also it's such a nice companion um, show to the Leith Maguire solo show, Heads or Tails, and I I know that we've had some feedback um, from people who've visited the show and, and really got so much enjoyment out of seeing the work and and seeing sort of the conversations between the artworks that are, are situated in that space and it's it's such a beautiful gallery space to visit too. Um, we should uh, quickly mention uh, Leith Maguire so again more animals uh, and mainly uh, what uh, ink on paper or? Yeah they're quite spectacular quiet pieces but they have sort of an environmental edge to the work that she creates um, definitely um, thinking about her work helped inform the shape that the Wildlands show sort of took at Linden. So definitely um, two exhibitions worth seeing. Yeah. Now talk to us um, for a moment about the art of curating an exhibition because uh, words get thrown around like well curated or poorly curated and so forth and clearly one of the, the factors that you're thinking about is 
the way the, the dialogue that works will have with one another when they're hung in the space. But talk to us about how you curate a show, how you shape and craft and present an exhibition. Yeah, I think every show that you work on is different depending on who you're working with, the artists you're working with, the organisations you're working with. And certainly from our perspective at Arts Project, working collaboratively is about thinking about all elements that come together for the exhibition. So certainly for this show, we had Leith's work in mind. We had the specific space at Linden, which is beautiful and light-filled. Um, the artists really um, came came to mind quite easily and quite naturally once we started thinking about Leith's work. So there were a lot of factors there, but also you know that Linden space is a public space out in St Kilda and we really wanted to engage audiences in a way that they'd really enjoy the space and enjoy the artwork so a lot of considerations but hopefully people have enjoyed it. The exhibition is Wildlands. It's on at Linden New Art at 26 Ackland Street, St Kilda, until the 17th of July. So you've got uh, plenty of time to get along and see it. Uh, it's a collaborative exhibition between Linden New Art and Arts Project Australia. Uh, you can get more info at lindenarts.org or you can go to artsproject.org.au. Uh, as I said, the exhibition on until the 17th of July. We've been chatting to co-curator Sim Luton. Sim, thanks for joining Thank you so much, Richard. You've been listening to a podcast from Australia's best-known community radio station, 3RRR, 102.7 in Melbourne. For more podcasts, information about upcoming events and our live stream, please visit our website at rrr.org.au.